When it comes to independent wrestling and the deathmatch scene, one company is on the rise, and that is Ruthless Pro Wrestling. Featuring today's hottest talent, like Justin Kyle, Dale Patricks, The Rejects, Mickey Knuckles, Hoodfoot Mo Atlas, and more. Check out all of our events on IWTV. Find all of our social media and our RPW merch now at RuthlessPro.com. What it is, what's up, and welcome everyone to Faces and Feels. I'm your host, Rafe Houston, and today I am joined by a very special guest. He is the current TNT Extreme Division Champion, the Kamikaze Pro Tag Team Champion, and all-round amazing deathmatch wrestler. I am talking about the man, the one, the only, Clint Margera. How are you today, sir? I'm good, man. How the hell are you? I am quite good. Thank you for making time for me on this uh, dark Perth morning. <laughs> How is it over there <laughs> in Newcastle? Um, it's a very dark evening. <laughs> but yeah, I appreciate you uh, getting out of bed nice and early and uh, getting a jump on the day. <laughs> oh, no worries. No, I'm very happy to do it. And I'm glad that we're doing it in such grim and gothic uh, circumstances, man. So... Yeah. Uh, you've just gotten back from like a, a pretty big weekend, uh, which mm. I, I want to hear all about. But before we go into it too far, I'd like to just start off by getting to know people's history and how they got involved with wrestling. So when you think back to when you first started and when it first started to really capture your interest, what were some of like the first faces that stood out to you as far as like wrestlers that, that made you enjoy the product? Um, my earliest and probably most clear memory, um, is watching WrestleMania 8. Um, uh, my dad's, uh, friend had Sky. Uh, we couldn't afford Sky back then because it was a million pounds <laughs> for like, yeah, a yeah, Sky yeah. package. So, uh, he would record, his, his friend would record the, the pay-per-views and me and my brother would watch them uh, a couple of weeks after they'd come out. So yeah, WrestleMania 8. Um, is my most clear memory, and it's the Bret Hart versus Rowdy Roddy Piper match. Yeah, yeah. Um, with the whole Bell Hill incident and Bret's bleeding, and yeah. like that is my most clear. Oh my God, this is the best thing I've ever seen. Memory of, yeah. of wrestling, and, and literally from that moment, I was just hooked on on everything. Yeah, that's amazing. It's it's uh, funny that the first memory involved blood as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's kind of come full circle. <laughs> Like if only we showed him a different match, it would have been, could have been very different. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy, man. So, and then after you see that, is it just you're about everything wrestling? You just do what you can to sort of you know get around it, like and, and see what you can. Yeah, we were just me and my brother were just obsessed with it. After that, we yeah. broke so many beds like wrestling each other as kids and. Yeah. We were like, we would use like different colored pairs of jeans would be like the different like title belts. So like the black pair of jeans was like the, the heavyweight belt. And then we had like a blue pair, which was like the intercontinental. <laughs> we were just 
we were just superplexing each other off windowsills and like breaking beds and, and everything. And yeah, we were just completely obsessed with it, collecting all the sticker books and, and everything when we were kids. Yeah, yeah. Were you yeah. into all the toys and action figures and stuff? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like all like, the rings and stuff. But yeah. you couldn't really do anything with anyway. You just kind of flick them off the ropes. Yeah, exactly. but, um uh-huh. <laughs> but but it's cool to set them up. I remember like uh, back when I used to have the toys and stuff as a kid. I remember having the rings and that, and painstakingly, really just setting up like uh, I guess dioramas or whatever. You know what I mean? And it's like old mates yeah. over here power bombing someone, and someone's making the save, and it, you just spend hours just like setting up the action scene kind of thing. I don't know why, but it's just what you do as a kid. <laughs> Yeah, but have you, I don't know if you've seen some of the videos now, like the kids playing with like the figures and stuff. They're yeah. so advanced now with everyone's like phones and and like the way that they can capture video. People like doing like full matches, like stop motion almost. It's oh, really? Crazy. Like some of the things, yeah. Like if you find on like TikTok or like yeah. Instagram stuff like that, if you just go through like the reels, you'll see people like these kids are crazy, man. Like the full on like you know 20 minute matches of these figures doing shit it's crazy that's wild eh? but i mean i suppose that's kind of like the next step and i mean it shows you kind of where technology's got from and how much kids are on the internet and stuff like that but it's kind of what we were doing almost we just weren't filming it you know what i mean so the the fact they can just piece it together and like these kids are booking angles from (laughs) like a really young age That's sick. Exactly. They're all just playing like mini Vince McMahons. It's crazy, man. Oh, man. Some of the talent, like, don't you think that the way, I guess, wrestling works now and as transparent as it is and stuff like that, the the young wrestling minds that are, like, coming up that understand how it works from, like, a young age and how sort of developed their wrestling IQ is going to be by the time they can wrestle and stuff. It's going to be crazy, mm. you know, opposed to people like uh, coming up, being told it's real and not being smartened up until the business, until they're like doing their first match, and, you know, all that kind of yeah. stuff. Exactly. Was That's it, it yeah. Was it like that uh, for you? So how old are you? You're a kid. You and the brother are obsessed. You're sm- smashing the house up. How old are you when you have like an opportunity to actually maybe train or, or, or do it? Um, so probably about the, probably about the age of 15, we were doing like backyard stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so we built a ring in uh, someone's back garden and we were doing that. And there was, um, a company, um, that was quite local to us. It was, it was just in Birmingham, which was like the next city over from Wolverhampton, which is where I'm from originally. Um, and it was this company called K-Star Wrestling. And that was probably the first ever place that I went to actually get trained by professional wrestlers. Um, and it was it was quite a strange session. It wasn't what I was expecting it to be. Like they didn't have like a proper ring. It was like they had like kind of like a little rope set up, but it was just on mats. Right. Okay. So it was a little bit like oh, I, I was expecting a proper ring. Uh-huh. Um, so that was kind of like the first like proper session. Um, that I went to, but yeah, a lot of it was just kind of self-taught in a way, um, just because we, we watched it so much and we kind of could tell how things were done. Yeah. We just kind of just tried to pick up as much as we can just from studying like tapes and, and and stuff like that. So yeah, it was just, um, that was like my first proper session. So probably about 15, 16. Okay. 
Um, yeah, it's interesting you say that because I imagine for you, like in the UK, it probably would have felt sort of similar as it did to me, like here in Australia. Like wrestling for me felt like, you know, an American thing. You know what I mean? Like there was no access to it. There was nothing. So I always find it really amazing when I speak to like the Australian wrestlers and the UK wrestlers and stuff because they essentially, a lot of them have that same sort of story. Like, oh, we just sort of figured it out ourselves and like kind of went from there and then trained each other and sort of went on. And then now the schools and all that stuff. But in those early years for a lot of the current generation and stuff, there just wasn't the resources. So you just had to figure it out. And those who loved it the most, you know, made it into something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, going back and, and, and looking back on it now, there probably, you know, there was definitely places like more London way mm-hmm. that we that I possibly could have gone to. But back then, you know, well, I, mean, I didn't have the resources to, yeah. to get to and from London from, from where I was. Yeah. Uh, or the financial resources to, to do something like that. So we were always kind of um, a little bit, in the sticks, I suppose, like a bit out of the way for, for things like that, really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we just, like, like I said, we just kind of figured out as much as we could on our own and just went from there, really. Yeah. Tell me about the logistics of the backyard wrestling because it's something that whenever I speak about that stuff with people, I always love uh, figuring out how kids' minds worked and what they set up and got to. There's a few people I've spoken to, like, about the... Uh, you know, making rings themselves and doing all this kind of yeah. crazy stuff as kids. <laughs> Did you guys get into any of that? Did you get that official uh, where you had some kind um, of ring set up? What did we have? We had, um, like, basically, like, a telegraph pole kind of uh, material, which was cut into four, so they were the ring post. Yeah. Then they dug, like, five, four or five feet into the, the grass. Yeah, and put these stuck these telephone poles in. Okay, um, and then the ropes were hose pipe. Yeah, um, and they we managed to find some like the really small um, like uh, things that connect it to the the turnbuckles, so the the, the double screws. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So we had those, so it kind of made the ropes a little bit tighter. Yeah, and then the the had the floor was just. Uh, two layers of foam and then a black carpet. Okay, I mean that's pretty <laughs> legit as far as some of the setups I've heard. You guys kind of went to pretty far extents there. Yeah, and the, the top rope was like a little step ladder, which was just underneath the top turnbuckle, so you were almost on the top rope, but right. not quite. <laughs> so, so if you're coming off the top rope, it's just from the one corner kind of. Thing. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I've heard I've heard some like pretty impressive sort of setups over the years, and uh, I think it was Richie Taylor who was the first ever deathmatch down under champion. He's retiring now; he's having his first match coming up. They they used right. to go wrestle out in these fields or whatever, and they used to they'd scour the area and neighborhood and stuff, and they got like you know car tires. And so mm-hmm. laid down all the car tires, and then yeah, matting, and then uh, and then like some kind of tarpaulin or or whatever over it you know drop sheet yeah uh and then like <laughs> some bodgy like poles and stuff like that which <laughs> which i thought was pretty uh ingenuitive uh using the uh using tires you know for a little bit of give i thought that was pretty clever 
Yeah, that's genius. That yeah, is. Exactly. Gonna, that's, a, that's a solid backyard federation, that is. <laughs> exactly right. He he reckons they were like they did did tournaments and people were like paying to come and stuff. They they got to like a pretty uh pretty extreme level as far as how far they took it. Um Yeah, I mean it, it happens. I mean there's a couple of those guys that were like down in Wales, like um Flash Morgan Webster and Mark Andrews and, and Wild Boar, like they had like a pretty decent little backyard thing going and I mean I've seen some like the videos and stuff they like post them every now and then on like their socials and stuff and there's like legit crowds and like they're and they're going for it man like so <laughs> just like so advanced. exactly and I know like backyarding gets like a bad rap and stuff and I mean in hindsight it probably should I guess like now that there's so many you know kind of resources and stuff but there's something to be said about how far people took it when those other resources weren't there you know what i mean they just wanted to do it and then you look at these guys like some of the names you mentioned yourself and and things like that these are world traveled you know well-regarded professional wrestlers who just you know wanted to do it and just figured it out yep yeah. exactly i mean if you look at like people like i mean look at the hardies yeah they were backyard wrestlers. I mean, Mick Foley. Mm-hmm. I mean, say no more. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Like, they some were all the backyard greats. wrestlers. And, like, some of the, you know, arguably the biggest name wrestlers in the world. Yeah. So, everyone's done it. And uh, I don't, I mean, obviously, like, the resources are better, like you said. But uh, I definitely wouldn't knock anyone for saying that they started in a backyard. Yeah. You know, it's, it's cheap for a lot of people. It's, yeah. it's the way that, it's the only way that some people can start off. Mm-hmm. So, Exactly, and plus you're, you know, you're a kid. You're gonna, you know, fight with your brother. You're gonna, you know, mess about with friends on trampolines. You're gonna do that stuff and kind of figure it out. What's the scene like in the UK, especially when you're coming up? Because obviously, like, there's the whole UK world of sport, you know, style. Like the, you know, kind of traditional catch as catch can style is quite goes quite far back in the UK. Mm. Is there a lot of that around or are you finding that as you're starting to do stuff and you're wanting to do shows, uh, is there a lot more of that stuff and you're like, it's, you know, not really what you wanted to do or, 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 or is that, you know what I mean? Is there, there that kind of scene there? How does that all work? Um, yes. I mean, the British style's always been a very um, sought after style. I think a lot of people do look at it as, you know, it is pure wrestling um, in its, in its purest form. Um, but I mean, we were so heavily influenced, and we were so into like the early days of Ring of Honor. Yeah, and that's like the wrestling that we watched because it was what we found exciting, and it grips our attention. And I was a massive ECW fan from the moment I saw yeah. the intro with like Rob Zombie playing um, yeah. Thunder Kiss '65. As soon as I heard that and saw Sabu back flipping through tables and all of that stuff, I was sold on that. So we were like, ECW, Ring of Honor, that's the style that we wanted to go for. Yeah. I mean, the the British shows were were, were fun and, and they, were, they were entertaining and stuff, but for us growing up, that's what grabbed us was that style. Um, so yeah, so we were just Ring of Honor, early Ring of Honor, ECW, like we love this. This is the kind of stuff that we wanted to do. Yeah, absolutely. Did you find from there like the transition into wanting to do deathmatch stuff came pretty naturally like do were you just doing kind of hardcore stuff and ecw type stuff and then it just progressed because of like the stuff you were watching like how did you make that that jump because obviously like deathmatch is a pretty sort of extreme 
uh, expression of professional wrestling. It's one I personally absolutely love. Um, and it, it's a lot for somebody to do it, you know? So was it always sort of on the cards? Were you always aware of it before you started training or did that come later down the line? Um, yeah, I was yeah, a little bit later. I think it, what it was is because I was just so obsessed with ECW and, and all of that kind of stuff. And I, I, all I wanted to do was just go through a table or like, get thrown <laughs> off a ladder and all that kind of shit. And like, I'd seen like Hell in a Cell and I'd seen obviously Foley going off the cage. Um, but then as soon as I watched a, a video from the 95 King of the Death match tournament yeah. from, uh, from Japan, mm-hmm. that was it. I was like, that, this is it now. Yeah. I'm obsessed with this. This is what I want to do. I want to bleed as much as Cactus Jack bled in that match and like the whole spectacle with him and Funk in the, in the finals and all the other matches. I was just like, this is it now. So straight away, I was just like, Cactus Jack is the best. He's my favourite now. This is it. He's my favourite. It's a wrap. This is everything. Foley. Yeah, yeah. This is it. <laughs> That's crazy. And I guess you're speaking about like death matches kind of become pretty mainstream at, at this point. You know where we we sit now in 2022 um, after COVID and and all those kind of things. There's a lot of companies that have raised up and it and has become like really popular. And we've even seen you know death matches on major TV networks and stuff. So when you're like, I'm now obsessed with Cactus Jack and I want to start to do this kind of stuff, what's the pushback like, you know, from promoters and stuff like that? Like, is there people that are willing to do that or, or are they like, no, that's garbage wrestling, that's not what we do at our show? Like, how do you start to do it? Because I imagine there there wasn't a huge death match scene in the UK. I could be wrong, but... Um. No, no, there, there, there wasn't, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, there was only really a couple of people that were doing it um, at the time. And, I mean, I was only really working one place. Um, so, and because my brother was heavily involved with, like, running it, um, there wasn't really any pushback at all. It was just kind of like, this is what I want to do. So I was like, okay, what stuff do you need us to get? Yeah. This, this, and this. Okay, here we go. And it wasn't. I didn't really get any pushback, like I say, with my brother being involved as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, there wasn't d- really any kind of like, oh, you can't do that. Well, I'm gonna. <laughs> but <laughs> um, yeah, there was not. There was none of that. It was all very. Uh, it was all very okay. Fair enough. We'll oh, do that. Then. That's fine. That's in house. Um, I should have actually uh, asked you about your brother because you said you were obviously huge hands. I, I meant to. It did. I meant to ask, as you were saying it, did he ever end up training or, or obviously it sounds like he is involved or was involved in the business in some way? Uh, yes, he is. Um, he is involved. Um, he wrestles for WWE NXT UK. Um, oh, really? And it's Trent Seven. Oh, okay then. Yes, I'm very familiar with his work. <laughs> I did not know you guys were related. There you go. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not something. It's not something that like we've we've kind of like yeah advertised anywhere. But people who know know. Yeah. Where, uh, yeah. <laughs> right. Right. So you you guys obviously went from destroying beds and things like that to both becoming wrestlers and training. And so was he promoting shows and things like that at the time? Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. So um, his I kind of went off and did all the the hardcore silly light tube stuff and yeah. He went the other way, and uh, he's uh, he's doing pretty well out of it. <laughs> he is doing pretty well out of it, but hey, there's uh, <laughs> there's still a lot more to go. And uh, the way I see it, like, man, 
Deathmatch has, has become in these, especially these last two years, really sort of like the it thing in wrestling. And maybe my lens is a little bit blurred because I've become so biased towards it. But it, you see these shows and you look at like the most you know popular shows on IWTV and that, and it is stuff like ICW No Holds Barred. It is GCW on the Fight Network and things like that. Like they really are sort of the new ECWs as as things um, crank along. And even in the the UK now, some of your Guys, local promotions are now even starting to get some shine as they start to get more, um, I guess, I guess, ability to be accessed and watched online and stuff like that. Um, I know that you have done like a few tournaments and, and things like that. Like, when did you first come to the states to then do that? So you start to build a little bit of a name and and stuff in the UK. I, I know you did like CZW and things like that. How did how did that all come about? Um, yeah, so uh, CZW came over uh, a couple of times to the UK uh, and worked with the, the place where I was at. Um, so we did a couple of tours there. Uh, then they did some shows with like WXW as well. Um, and yeah, I just got talking to, to CZW and it was just like I, um, I was over there in April uh, 2012 around the time that they were doing Best of the Best that year. Mm-hmm. Um, so they asked me if I wanted to to work the show and so of course I was like absolutely yes please um and I ended up wrestling uh, Matt Tremont who was like my first wow. death match in America was at CZW best the best that year so I got to wrestle Tremont Huge. which was uh awesome and a really good experience mm-hmm. he's um he's unbelievable as far as like you know deathmatch yeah. American legends the most uh de- dedicate decorated uh, American deathmatch wrestler easily. Um, what's it uh, like getting to meet somebody like that who I assume at the time you were probably already a big fan of? Yeah, definitely. I was a massive fan of him. So when they told me that I was going to be wrestling him, I was like, oh, I was over the moon. Yeah. Um, and we've kept in touch ever since that day. Mm-hmm. Um, we speak quite regularly. Yeah. Uh, I saw him just, just the last weekend gone. Uh-huh. Um, saw him at Hammerstein. Uh-huh. But, um, yeah, he's a, an absolute sweetheart and a really, really good guy. Um, I don't think anyone's got a bad word to say about him. Um, him and his wife, Chrissy, are just wonderful people. Yeah. Uh, and they would give you the shirts off their back. Yeah, um, yeah I, I can't say enough good things about Tremont, to be honest. Yeah, that's amazing. Yo, let me stop you right there. I just need to holler at everybody and tell them about NordVPN. This service has been a bit of a game changer for me, man. Not only are they one of the first services, you know, to believe in me and to believe in this podcast, which is pretty amazing, but it's also been great to like pick up my internet access and throw it around the world. I've been able to access all the streaming services. I've been able to check out different shopping sites. It's keeping me safe and sound on the internet and protecting all of my important data. It's been pretty damn awesome. So, if you want to give it a chance for yourself, if you want to try it out, if you want to get amongst the glory that is NordVPN, just go to nordvpn.com slash feels and use the code feels to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan and at one additional month for free. Uh, It's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, which is pretty sweet. So, yeah, nordvpn.com slash feels and use the code feels. Now, let's get back to the interview. (laughs) 
is there a dedicated promotion by that point that's doing it or are you just doing stuff like out of the promotion that you're talking about with your brother like uh where where is the deathmatch scene sitting in the uk as you start to you know make trips to the us um so there wasn't one specific promotion that was just doing death matches at the time. Um, it was just kind of like there would just be a death match on some some shows around. There was a couple down in London that would do them. Um, it was just kind of like there would just be a death match on some some shows around. There was a couple down in London that would do them. Um, uh, yeah, there was just there wasn't really a specific death match promotion yeah. at the time um i mean we did like the big death house matches which were kind of like the the biggest ones that had been seen over here for a, for a long time mm-hmm. um so we did all those kind of crazy things like we, we had ricky over um all the time as well mm-hmm. uh, so being able to like wrestle ricky shane page is easy because he's just so easy to do stuff with mm-hmm. um yeah, so we just kind of had like the big death house matches, but like I said, there wasn't really a promotion specifically for um, death matches. I mean, off the top of my head, I mean, Rise is kind of like the most death matchy one. Uh, and then obviously TNT, you know, I'm not going to underplay what they've done for me and, and everything, all the opportunities they've given me, but it's it's definitely picking up a lot more than uh, than it was back in the day. Yeah, absolutely. Um as far as like, so in my point of view, I guess as an Australian that watches you know American products and and things like that, the the two sort of names that have always stood out to me or or, or gotten to me in the the UK scene have been yourself and Big F and Joe, um, former guests of the podcast, all round amazing person. Um, have you known Joe a long time? Were you guys? working together and doing stuff in the UK scene or, or was it that big that you didn't run into each other for a bit? It's really only over like the last couple of years that we've kind of hooked up. Yeah, really? Um, yeah, I, I wasn't really aware of him, uh, like I say, for, for a while. Um, so yeah, like over the last like two years. Yeah. Um, since like the first time I did, I just, I just kind of heard about him and then I did a Rise show. Um, and then we met kind of like properly through that. So, uh-huh. yeah, um, he's a really sound guy, uh, loves deathmatch wrestling um, and just doesn't want to pick stuff up and hit you with it, like wants to have a, a purpose and a point for everything as well, mm-hmm. which is always a lot better than um, just like, oh, yeah, just hit me with this. Yeah, yeah. Like he uh, he really loves like the whole art around it as well. So, yeah, he's a, he's a good dude. Yeah, absolutely. Now, he's uh, very well thought out in his matches and even in, his presentation and everything he does, you know, like uh, people may think he's a bit of a wild man, but he's actually quite a professional guy, you know, like when it comes to <laughs> to like his stuff. I thought he's like, um, yeah, deathmatch, I guess, IQ or whatever you say is like right up there uh, with yourself. When he was on the show, we did speak about the, um, what are they called in, the, is it the camps that you guys call it in the, the UK where you're, like uh, working like the different sort of uh, camper van shows or whatever, and like wrestling for the the holiday thing. What's that called again? Yeah, like the uh, the holiday parks. There we go, holiday, holiday yeah, parks. Camp, That's what yeah, I was trying to say. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Do you have experiences with that? Because he had quite a few kind of funny stories about how that whole system works. I guess. 
Um, I, I, I've never worked the camps. I've, I've never done never. The, uh, the loops. No, no, I never did. Um, but I know that they, they still go on. Um, yeah. So they are still doing them. But yeah, it's something that I've never never actually done. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've wrestled and, and spoken to plenty of people that have done them. Uh, a lot of like the British guys, like Spurred, I'm really good friends with. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he's done a lot of like the, the camp loops before he, uh, you know, early on in his career, before he went men on to bigger and better things. But yeah, it's something that I've never actually really experienced. So uh, I haven't got any first-hand stories yeah no no that's totally fine i was just curious because he he kind of like explained it to me like every show would sort of be different or or loop and stuff they'd just be like cool so you're a mountie for this one kind of thing and then he would he would like be doing a terrible canadian accent or whatever it may be you know and he said that (laughs) that it really helped with his kind of improv as far as like just making stuff up and just you know getting over with uh individual crowds and stuff and I wasn't sure how big a part that sort of plays in you know the UK scene um it, it's it's quite a big part in the, for some people's careers it's uh-huh. a lot of it's a big part of where a lot of like the you know the other guys got their their real starts and you know they would swear by it because you're doing so many shows yeah. a week mm-hmm. um so you get some real good like ring time and you get a lot of time to like practice little things as well and you know you, you get to do a lot of crowd work because obviously it's a lot of kids and families and, and things like that so yeah i imagine it's actually well not imagine i've been told that it is a, a very good learning experience and it's something that a lot of people would swear by over here yeah and was that uh an avenue that you never really went down because i guess you were saying like your brother your brother was promoting shows or you guys were working on stuff mm. had you started your own company is that how how it had worked or he had started something yeah basically yeah and it, it was just something it was just like it was just an avenue that we never explored okay. um we just wanted to do our own thing yeah. um not in not in a way to be all like we don't need to do that it was just the style that we liked just wasn't that style so yeah. we just stuck with what we wanted to do yeah? but yeah the, it's definitely something that a lot of people would say you're up and coming and you get the chance definitely go and do it because you'll get a lot of good a uh, lot of good experience yeah yeah that's awesome um what was it like being in tournament of death man because that's like a pretty amazing uh and well-regarded you know deathmatch tournament so getting the invite to be a part of that must have been a bit of a career highlight right uh yeah at the time it was that was my WrestleMania. Yeah, that was well, that was it. That was the pinnacle for me. Tournament of Death. I wanted to do it in, you know, the 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 old stomping grounds. I wanted to do it in the middle of the field, and yeah, wanted to to hang out with all like the 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 CZW guys and like get all my shit made by Scorny Shawnee and everything <laughs> like that. And yeah, to me, that was the whole the whole point of becoming a deathmatch wrestler. That was what I wanted to do. I wanted to do Tournament of Death. Um. I wasn't fussed about how far I went in the tournament. I just wanted to do it just yeah. to be able to say, I've ticked that off now. That's done. And just have uh, that but yeah, experience. That was, a, that, was, that was a great experience. And I got to wrestle Connor Claxton, um, who, was, who was awesome. Um, and like, uh, we had all of our stuff designed and, and done by Danny Havoc as well. Oh, wow. So I got like all of his like blueprint drawings and everything. And he, he was very influential in me actually doing Tournament of Death, him and Ricky. Yeah, wow. Uh, they really pushed for me for that. So uh, I'll always be in debt to them for that. Yeah, that's killer. 
the, you um you had also picked up uh, a win in a tournament really recently, the DOA tournament, right for for TNT. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Now, I can't imagine there's heaps of deathmatch tournaments <laughs> in the UK. So, ha- how did had that entire setup come around, man? Would were you did you play a part in actually? You know, pushing for the tournament to happen or was it something that was presented to you or? Um, I think it just kind of happened quite naturally. Okay. Um, the first, I mean, the first show that I did for TNT was their first DOA tournament. So oh, wow. um, I'd, I'd never actually worked for them before that. Oh, okay. So uh, I think they'd possibly, you know, just seen that like death matches were, were coming up a little bit. We'd done like a death house uh, match prior to the first DOA tournament. So there was a bit of a buzz starting. Um, and I just thought, you know, we're just going to do a, a deathmatch tournament. And, yeah, they just kind of contacted me for that one, and that's pretty much how it started. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I gave them some ideas for, like, match stipulations and, and weapons and that kind of stuff. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all the involvement I had. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it, was pro- it was quite... Organic, I suppose, in a way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, w- I was thinking as I, I was like looking through your, you know, accolades and different things and saw that tournament, I'm, I was thinking, well, there wouldn't be many people with like deathmatch tournament experience over there, you know what I mean? And I was like, you would have mm. definitely been one of the veterans walking into it. So I was wondering how big a part you played, you know, in that entire situation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think the first one, um, I mean, I was in it, Drew, Drew was in it. Um, so I went out to Drew in like the first round uh, and I think Drew went out in the second round Um, so that was the first DOA tournament and then the second one we just thought you know we just need to go bigger and get some more glass (laughs) stuff like that so yeah yeah, that's what we did and then we got Ricky over as well Um, and Jimmy Lloyd came into the second one Um, so yeah yeah the the second one was definitely a little step above and uh Looking forward to seeing what they do this year as well. Yeah, that'll be awesome. Uh, when you say Drew, are we talking about Drew Parker? Oh, yeah. Sorry, Drew Parker. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Obviously, what he has achieved uh, in Japan has been pretty amazing. I actually met Drew a couple of times a couple of years ago, back before you know the world ended. I used to go to Japan you know, semi-regularly. Like we would, oh, cool. we would normally go to like in January, and like the last couple of times we went were month-long trips where my wife and uh, a friend of ours would sort of travel around and we'd see as much wrestling as we can. And it's actually the reason uh, I got into deathmatch wrestling. I've t- I've told the story mm. plenty of times on the podcast, but essentially I stumbled into a big Japan show, not really knowing what it was, and saw like you know a hundred light tube deathmatch and it was like like game over as far as like deathmatch stuff went it was like really shocking but i um i ran into him at like a ddt show he's very nice and, and also at like some freedom shows and things like that you know he's there selling merch and mm-hmm. taking photos and things like that um have you ever done any japan stuff or has that that been something that it's been just amazing to sort of see through him um, we did a, like a, a 10 day tour, oh, wow. uh, with big Japan in 2012, I think it was July, 2012. So we got to do like a 10 day tour with them. Um, I didn't actually do get to do you no know, like 
death matches, but I did uh, a couple of like hardcore matches. So I got to wrestle uh, Jackie Numa's hour in one of them. Um, got to tag with Shadow WX in another one. Um, so yeah, so there wasn't any real like proper death matches on any of those shows, but they, it was a great experience. And getting to wrestle at Corican Hall was wow. crazy. Like what an atmosphere and what an experience that was. But yeah, looking at the stuff that Drew's been doing over there, he's just gone head and head and shoulders above what I, what I think he thought that he could do. Yeah, he's really just skyrocketed. Yeah, he's done so well over there. Um, and like we were like really good, we are really good friends, and he, he lived with me for a little while as well, just before he we went to Japan. So he was like living at my the house I was in for like three months. Yeah. Wow. Um. So we were just hanging out all the time, and he would just say to me, like, that's all he wants to do, just wants to be a deathmatch wrestler. You don't want to do anything else. He's not bothered about doing anything else. And he's just went over there, and he's just absolutely killed it and uh, joined a very short list of uh, of Gaijins who have won the, the Big Japan deathmatch belt. Absolutely. Um, quite the prestigious sort of run he's had. And really, yeah, like you say, one of the few guys, especially Gaijins, that's thrown himself into it in Japan, you know what what I mean? Like joining that dojo and like committing to a company like that is is a huge life decision. And and it goes to show that, you know, if you don't have a plan B and you're just like focused on it, like that's what all you know, what you can make happen, you know, just by manifesting it yourself. Mm. That's awesome. Yeah, dude. he just went full throttle, balls to the wall. Yeah. Fuck it, I'm just gonna move to Japan. See what happens. <laughs> and uh I think he's made a very wise decision. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think um, it's kind of funny because when it, whenever I have these kind of conversations, when you, you start talking about, you know, COVID and stuff, it's sort of a blessing and a curse when it comes to wrestling in some senses, you know, because I was about to say, I imagine you would see him even more places and stuff like that now, if not for COVID. And you would, but I think that the sort of spotlight that, you know, all the lockdowns have put where deathmatch companies were able to run when nobody else was and deathmatch was able to sort of put wrestling on its back has kind of led to maybe more foreign eyes, you know, Americans, Australians, UK, things like that, seeing Big Japan, you know what I mean? And seeing him and, and knowing that, like, that rep has grown and then when he obviously came to GCW and did all that, it was like a huge deal um, and though yeah. I know he was planning to go to the States again and then some more lockdowns happened and he didn't. But I think when when this is all completely clear and stuff, you're going to see him like explode in that scene in a really big way. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, w- I mean, I know that he was um, he was scheduled to be in New York um, over the weekend. So I was when I found out that he wasn't going to be there, um, I was gutted because I haven't, I haven't actually seen him since he's been in Japan. Like, I haven't physically seen him. Yeah, wow. But since he moved over there, which is a long time now. Yeah, it's huge. Um, so I was I was really looking forward to, like, hanging out and, like, catching up with him. But uh, as you say, unfortunately, the world didn't work that way. So no. um, I, think, I think once everything opens up a bit, I think he's going to be in America a lot more. Mm-hmm. That's what I think anyway. Uh, I think he'll, he'll definitely have a massive impact in... Uh, in like the American deathmatch scene, uh, once the once he can actually go freely to yeah. and from, absolutely. I don't I don't think those guys are, are ready for what he's going to bring because he's gonna he's gonna come in all guns blazing. I reckon. Oh, definitely. I mean, the, the two matches that he had, um, 
when he was over the last time, yeah. like his match with Cologne was awesome. Obviously epic. Yeah. Um, and the fact that he actually beat him and like took the the ultraviolet belt crazy, and just went back to Japan with it, and then <laughs> yeah, it's uh, just doing cool things, man. Yeah, just doing really cool shit. It's so cool, and I I don't think a lot of people saw that coming. You know what I mean? That was such like a, a huge move by GCW and by Big Japan and mm. stuff like that. It, it blew a lot of minds and really, um, yeah, cemented him as, as like a major player in the deathmatch scene. Yeah. That seems like the, the natural progression to talk about your recent holiday to America. Obviously, you, <laughs> you, you got to, to see some GCW and I think we'll finish out with that because it'll be a, a fun sort of tale of Hammerstein but how was ICW man it must have been pretty amazing to get inside that venue and be on one of those shows yeah it was uh, it was wild it was a real wild show um, obviously really excited to, to be there and really thankful uh, to the, everyone at ICW the whole crew, DeMonto, everybody to of pulling the trigger and, and having me over there. Um, everyone was just really, really nice, really hospitable, and uh, we had a, just a really great time. But, yeah, um, I wanted to wrestle Akira for a while. Mm-hmm. I remember I put a tweet out, um, like, towards the end of last year, mm-hmm. saying, like, how good Akira is. Yeah. And then then I'm wrestling him, like, two months later. <laughs> so I was, like, manifested some kind of uh, <laughs> some kind of good news for myself there. But, yeah, really, really great show. Um, really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed the match. Uh, yeah. Kira's sound, really nice guy. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and it was just like it was just a really small, intimate room with glass and blood and shit flying everywhere. It was pretty off the chain, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. The the venue was crazy. Like the moment it opened up, I was like, oh, this is this is some real shit. <laughs> like as far <laughs> as it goes, it's exactly what I love. Like in that kind of stuff, you know, dark and intimate and and like kind of intense uh sort of atmosphere and you guys like you know started off the entire show and set like a pace for the night which was really awesome um i love the match i've seen the um the gif of you wailing on him under the ladder with the chair like so many times (laughs) which were which is like a a great uh you know highlight of the match when you sort of uh turn it around on him and, and just go absolutely mentally it, it's like an epic part like uh, I, th- I think it probably for anybody that wasn't aware of Clint, Clint Margera they became aware pretty quick and then you even got the uh, <laughs> the famous ICW you know standing ovation and everybody chanting for you it must have felt pretty surreal yeah it was uh, <laughs> it was I don't know I couldn't really put it into words I mean when they came up after I was smashing the uh, the chair on with him uh-huh. on the ladder with him underneath, like it really like just lit a fire inside of me. Yeah. And uh, I heard the crowd like come up with me, and then at the end, um, to hear all of those "Please come back" chants, uh, really did mean a lot to me. So, fingers, toes, everything crossed that um, the stars align and I can get back out there because I would love to work with ICW uh, again. Yeah. Uh, Joe's going back out there in February, going to Chicago. Mm-hmm. He had a killer match with Hoodfoot. Mm-hmm. Um, sure so I'm really excited for what Joe's going to do. But yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah. Some, something works out and I can get back out there as soon as possible. Absolutely. I think uh, I think they would like to see you there. So that would be amazing. Like, uh, yeah, COVID keep its head on right and we can start to see more of that international flavour start heading in. And man, 
what a night for Joe as well from the second. Have you had a chance to actually watch back the show yet or just sort of lived it at this stage? Um, I have, I've watched um, I watched bits of my match back and I've watched uh, Joe's match back. But, I mean, I was stood on the balcony, like hard cam side, wow. um, like behind the hard cam. So I was just watching it, you know, in the flesh, as it were. And, uh, yeah, he went out there and just fucking went crazy, Man, killed it. He looked like a fucking uh, superstar, eh? Like the second, like, it come in and the camera's right on him, he's talking to it, like, the whole way to the ring, like the intensity and stuff, you can tell, man, he's been been won this for a long time and he he looked like the fucking man that night, eh? Yeah, he definitely did. And, and like his gear was Yeah. It went it went from white to crimson very, very quickly. It's <laughs> kind of his whole deal. <laughs> I was so happy for him, man, to see it. Like it was uh yeah, it was, it was really awesome and can't wait to see what he does in Chicago and then yeah, hopefully um get you back for it uh any fun stories of the night it must, it must have been nice to sort of meet all the people that you've been seeing on you know iwtv this whole time and then you're suddenly you know around them and in it and part of the team yeah uh, everyone was just really welcoming everyone was just really cool and like really nice i had a really nice chat with hoodfoot um we were talking for a bit about uh hammerstein because obviously he was a game change the night after and yeah. like yeah, we were just we were just bullshitting and hanging out, and um, yeah, ev- everyone was just real cool, like really nice and welcoming, and like no one was a dick. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So that's always good. Um, yeah, it was just a really really nice atmosphere, um, and everyone was just like really complimentary, and like everyone kind of looks out for each other, like making sure that everyone's okay when they come back from their match and stuff, and just yeah. Just really, really nice atmosphere, and like obviously Cass being there as well. Um, good friends with Cass, mm-hmm. um, and he's just a really nice dude, like yeah. really like calming figure. Because uh, I was getting a little bit in my own head before the match started, like getting a little bit like imposter syndrome in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he was just really like cool and just like look, man, just chill out. Like, it's all right. That you're here because they want you here. You're not here because you've just blagged it. Yeah. That you're here because they want you to want you on the show and stuff. So, yeah, it's just a really nice atmosphere. Everyone was really cool and really welcoming. Yeah, absolutely. And you're you're talking about a crowd as well. Like I can imagine you. You know, it's been a bit since you've been to the states, and you're like, are they going to know who I am and and things like that? But mm. it's like. It's a hardcore fucking fan base, you know what I mean? They know, they know who you are. Like you're in front of the right people, and they're gonna they're gonna go crazy. Yeah, definitely. I was, there was definitely part of me that was like, is anyone even gonna give a shit? Like, does anyone anyone even know that I've already wrestled in America? I mean, because it is so long ago now. Yeah. Who actually cares? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. That yeah, was yeah. definitely in the back of my mind. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, exactly. Now it was an awesome coming out for you, man. Like a coming out party for you. So I, I really look forward to seeing what comes next as far as that goes. Um, so the obviously the the world on GCW at Hammerstein was a, a huge show, uh, and you got to attend, which must have been pretty crazy. That venue looked absolutely nuts. Um, I was watching watching it live what I could. Um, what was it like being in the building? Uh, for me, I was able to just enjoy it as a fan. Yeah, I was able to lose my shit when all the cool stuff happened, and uh-huh. being in the Hammerstein because of being a massive ECW fan as a kid and a, yeah. a you know Ring of Honor fan as well. So just walking into that venue was I was buzzing because it's one of the places that I always wanted to go. Absolutely. Um, it was like the the ECW Arena and the Hammerstein. 
and I've never been to the arena, but I've been to Hammerstein now. So, yeah, the, the whole atmosphere and everyone was just so buzzing and like looking forward to it. And like we were chatting to people in the in the queue to get in and stuff. Like, yeah. oh, who do you reckon is going to come out and fight the Briscoes? Who's your favourite wrestler of all time? Isn't it Gage going to turn up? And like we were having like a really good like chat and stuff. And yeah. everyone was just in a really good mood. It was just nice to like enjoy it as a fan and just go in there as a fan sit in my seat and just, just buzz off the vibe that was in there. It was great. Yeah. It's something I miss, man. I've seen a, a couple of small shows, you know, around here in Perth. Um, but it's been so long since I've been to, like, a big show, you know, and it must have mm. felt really nice. I think the last big show I was at was probably, like, Wrestle Kingdom 2020, I think. Is that right? I don't even know what years are anymore. The last one <laughs> before COVID ruined all our lives. Uh, and, yeah, lining up into the venue and, you know, and the, the excitement and and all that kind of stuff is, is all part of it, you know. It's not just the show and it's not just the great matches. It's like the day, you know, and it, it's yeah. everything that leads into it and, and that energy. So, yeah, it must have been nice to feel that again and to be a part of something, you know, so big and exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it was. It was just like the whole. Yeah, everyone was just everyone was just excited, yeah. and it was just you know they've they've done it, they've sold it out mm. without announcing a single match. Yeah. Like, no one ever thought they would do that, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, for them to just be able to say, yeah, we've done it, tick. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, a great atmosphere. Yeah, it was class. Yeah, that's absolutely awesome, man. It's been awesome speaking to you today. Thank you so much for your time and giving people a chance to, you know, just have a, a look in at your world and to see it from, uh, you know, your side of the pond, so to speak. Where does everybody find you on social media and stuff, man? How can they keep apprised of where you are and when you're next going to turn up? Uh, so I've got a Twitter, which is at Clint Margera, uh, and then my Instagram is at Clint DMW, um, and I just, I'll just post all of my stuff on there and, if you like wrestling, obviously follow me. <laughs> and if you like emo bands that I share on my Instagram stories, then you'll get it all there. <laughs> exactly right. Oh, we didn't even get into bands because you've got a great, t- uh, great uh, taste in music. I I did notice that you had the Every Time I Die uh, tribute on your gear as well. They're one of my favorite bands of all time, and probably the band I've seen the most live, like in the world. I think, yeah. like you know, besides local bands, obviously. And uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna miss that band because. Uh, and they've consistently released good and better albums throughout their entire career. I even love that. I like. I love their newest album. Like, and yeah, it's. Uh, oh, I'm gonna miss it. Man. Unbelievable stuff. Unbelievable stuff. Um, there aren't very bands that can genuinely say that every album they release was the best thing they've ever done. Yeah, and, and genuinely mean it. Um, so yeah. So R.I.P. Man. Like I'm uh, friends with Andy as well. So. Just hopefully, like they can all kind of bounce back. It shouldn't have ended the way that it did. Yeah, that's just me talking as a fan of, yeah. the, of the band of, of everyone in it. But um, yeah, I actually forgot that I had the patch on my shorts. Um, oh really? So, yeah. So when I put them on, I was like, oh shit. <laughs> You're like, this oh, is no appropriate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I met Andy once as well. Like, what a huge wrestling fan that guy is. I remember he played here. Uh, in Perth and after they played he was outside in like the beer garden type area and I walked up I was like hey man how's it going he's like oh yeah really good and it was just before one of the or just after a Wrestle Kingdom or something like that and man when I say that me and Andy 
stood there and spoke about like New Japan Pro Wrestling for about 30, 40 minutes while people started to form a queue behind me because they wanted him to like sign stuff and things like that. But he wasn't really paying attention because we were just engaged in talk about wrestling. And when, like, sort of, as we finished up, I go, leave it to I turn around and just realize there's all these people, like, you know, holding CDs and shirts. They want to sign I'm like, oh, sorry about this. He's like, eh, whatever, this is fun. So he's just, yeah, he's massively into it, you know what I mean? And it's, uh, it's amazing to see how far he has come as somebody who was like, oh, yeah, I might get back into this again, you know, at an older yeah. age. Like, to see him on TV when he debuted on AW was was just fucking crazy. He was so excited. I think a lot of people don't might not realise just how much of an encyclopedia of wrestling Huge. he actually is. Yeah. Like he is a super fan of wrestling. He knows so much shit. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would like. I think now, you know, he's if he can put all of his focus and energy onto the just the wrestling side now. I'd definitely love to see him and him and the blade with do a, a tag title run. I would definitely love to see that. I'd love it. Like the their aesthetic and everything, the you know, the the way they present themselves and they're always sort of changing it up and things like that. Yeah, I would definitely love to see them, you know, focus on it one hundred percent now. I mean we've seen Andy's body and stuff change, you know, over these last years and and things like that. You know, he's uh really focusing on, on his physical fitness and stuff. He's, you know, slimmed down and, and become more, mm-hmm. you know, more explosive, I guess, and, and things like that. So it'd be interesting to see what he does now, man, because, uh, yeah, like you say, his focus is going to be all on wrestling, you would think. Yeah, yeah, like, absolutely. And like I say, I think the tag title run would be excellent. I'd love to see some gold around Andy Williams' waist. Yeah, that would be awesome, and I'm sure he would too. <laughs> <laughs> that's killer well th- thank you sorry to derail the end of the podcast there that's nah, all good <laughs> <laughs> it's fun to talk about the cool shit that we like and so man I would be totally remiss as well before we finish this up if I didn't mention the Australian deathmatch company we've been talking about travelling and things like that so let's just have a quick word about deathmatch down under man I assume that's something you're pretty aware of is it something that's on your radar oh it's definitely on my radar very, very top of my list at really? the moment. Um, now that I've, you know, I've done the ICW uh, show, uh, obviously I really want to get back over there, but yeah, Deathmatch Down Under is very high on my list. Um, it's, it's just been so good watching uh, their stuff from like from inception up to now mm-hmm. and seeing those guys just go in there wholeheartedly like, this is what we want to do. Then Joel has just been unreal, and obviously, you know, you've got Damien Rivers, you've got Callum Butcher, who's now your, you know, the Australian Deathmatch champion. It's it's definitely on my list, and I really desperately want to uh, want to make that trip at some point. So again, if the, the stars align and the world opens up a little bit more, we can make it happen, definitely. But I want I want those guys to come over here as well. I want us to all work together if we can and, and do something really cool and like me and Joel have kind of like pitched ideas to back and forth between us and I know that Joe has kind of had some ideas as well so yeah fingers crossed we can make something happen but yeah you guys are killing it down there it's look it's just looks so cool and definitely an atmosphere that I want to get involved in yeah they did amazing things man and the, that's another one like we kept talking about it throughout the thing like positives coming from covid and stuff like i'm not sure in a world where 
COVID-19 didn't happen and the lockdowns didn't happen if Deathmatch Down Under hits the way it did, you know. Uh, but they had an opportunity to come back and to, to sort of rebuild and think about how they wanted to open up and present it and then debut in a way and at a time where there was such a huge spotlight on Deathmatch Wrestling. And they've, in, you know, a very limited amount of shows and a very limited amount of time, state their claim as, like, one of the top destination deathmatch companies in the world. And it's pretty amazing that uh, everybody I, I speak to, you know, within the deathmatch community, they they all want to come over, man. They want to see that and verse those guys. And they, they turn them, you know, the majority of them were relatively, you know, obscure wrestlers who are now, you know, mm-hmm. Deathmatch superstars, <laughs> like, I think it'd be awesome, man. I think you would fit in killer there, and I think you'd also have a nice holiday to the sunny shores of Australia. Yeah, I think that, uh, I think that would, that sounds bloody lovely. Sign me up. Yeah, well, well, if you get over, man, I'll be, well, if they ever let me out of this, the, the our borders are locked down pretty hard here in WA, but I, I still have yet <laughs> to get to a Deathmatch Down Under show. I've had so many cancelled on me, like, I can't even tell you mm. what this like, The lockdown comes up and I've got flights booked and I've got things and then it, then it all gets shut down as well. But yeah, if you get over, hopefully I can get over when you do and we can uh, meet face to face, man. That would be awesome. Oh, definitely. That would be cool, man. Yeah, that would be real cool. That would be killer. Thank you so much for your time. Everybody check out all Clint's stuff on social media. So for Clint Margera and for Faces and Feels, remember, it's all about peace, love, and pro wrestling. Thanks everyone for listening. Faces and Feels is a DIY project created and edited in-house by me, Rafe Houston. You can show your support by following us on Instagram at FacesFeelsCast, Twitter at FacesFeelsCast and Facebook at FacesFeelsCast. Or send us an email with topic suggestions or feedback to facesandfeels at gmail.com and don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. Our banger theme is Loose Lips Sink Ships by the Thunder Vipers. Check it out on Spotify. And now hang around for a quick word from some friends of the show. Peace out. My body is a roadmap of pain. Oh! Deathmatchworldwide.com, the official online merchandise store that is only for Deathmatch Wrestling. Featuring official t-shirts from No Peace Underground, John Wayne Murdoch, Akira, Madman Pondo, Zona 23, Neil Diamond Cutter, G. Raver, Schlack, Necro Butcher, and many more. If you are a Deathmatch Wrestling promotion, manager, or platform and are interested in joining the web store, send us an email to deathmatchworldwide at yahoo.com. Deathmatchworldwide.com for the violent view. Vinyls and Violence a brand celebrating a love of music and deathmatch wrestling. Follow on Instagram at Vinyls and Violence. Follow on Twitter at Legalized Ranch, and that's Ranch with two H's. And buy the shirts from deathmatchworldwide.com. Vinyls and Violence. I'm pretty sure it's like some weirdo shit like Pokemon or something.